Hello, welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different states who are excited to talk to each other and also to learn and grow alongside of each of you. Uh, My name is Megan. I'm Kristen. And I'm Lauren. Guys, we today is such a special day because not only do we live in three different states, but today we had to take advantage of the fact that we are all three in the same household. I'm Lauren and I am hosting Thanksgiving with all of our family from Texas. So this is such a special time and you probably won't be hearing this episode until a little bit later, but um, we just had to take advantage of the fact that we're all sitting here together. And the other reason that this is such an incredible really, really, really special episode to us is that we have our first guest coming on today. And if I can just introduce you to her, her name is Lindsay Ranga. She is an eating disorder recovery and wellness coach, yoga instructor, speaker, and has an MBA from Harvard Business School. What? Prior to coaching, Lindsay spent years working. I know. Lindsay spent years working in (laughs) finance and as CEO, was a CEO of a Gary Vanyarchuk company in New York. I hope I said his last name right. As Lindsay shares in her TEDx talk, she spent too many years trying to quote, look okay in the form of having a perfect career or the right friends. And she was masterful at acting like she had it all together. Since recovering from the eating disorder, she spends her energy on being okay, which means asking for help, slowing life down, and sometimes letting her kids wear their pajamas to school because who likes to rush first thing in the AM? Amen. Her mission is to empower millions to make peace with their bodies and with food through a non-diet approach. She lives in our hometown, Austin, Texas, with her husband and three small children. To learn more about Lindsay, at the end of the episode, she will tell us where to find her. Please welcome, oh my gosh, that bio is amazing, my my childhood (laughs) friend, actually, we've been friends since we were two years old. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today with us. I'm so excited. Honestly, I've got this like vision of my head of the four of us sitting in your childhood living room and like the comfy <laughs> sofas in your house, like down the street from my house. And I just feel like I want to snuggle up under a blanket with a cup of coffee with y'all. I know. <laughs> couches haven't changed. They still look the exact same. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. We'll just visualize that and we're going to have so much fun this next hour or so. Um, So today we are going to dive in the general topic of body image. And I think there's so much in this topic. Obviously, we won't have time to cover it all, but we just thought that Lindsay would be the absolute perfect person for this episode with her experience and knowledge and education. And so let's just dive right in. Um, Lindsay, if you will share with our guests kind of maybe a little bit of your background and where you are today, what your focus is on today, and then we can go from there. Yeah. So I've had, as you said in my bio, I've had kind of a whirlwind in my career and um, I feel really grateful for that journey. But a few years ago, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And I think we can all relate to not having it all figured out and kind of reassessing as we get older. Um, But earlier in my life, I battled an eating disorder for seven years. And this was at the time I was attending Harvard Business School. And it was during the time I was CEO of uh, the Gary Vaynerchuk company. Um, And fast forward to having 
uh, had two babies. And I was trying to make sense of that whole journey of having an eating disorder and having recovered from that. Um, And I'll never forget, I was having this conversation with my dad. um, And at the time, he had just been diagnosed with cancer. And I was telling him I was just really proud of him for how he was handling it and just how driven he was to get treatment and just to do all the things. And he looked at me and he was like, Lindsay, I am so proud of you for finding freedom from the eating disorder. And that was a really big deal because my family doesn't like, we never really talked about the eating disorder. It was like the big elephant in the room. And even after I recovered, it was just one of those things that was so uncomfortable to talk about because it impacted everyone in our family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to hear it from my dad, uh, that was just really meaningful to me. And that sort of planted the seed for me. And I remember going home that night and praying about it. And I was like, God, like, I don't really know what you want me to do with this, but I just prayed about it. And long story short, like I just felt like God placed it on my heart to do something with it. So mm-hmm. I went through a coaching program, a training program, and I hired my own coach, Lauren, thanks to you for recommending a coach. <laughs> and then I went to lots of other programs like Tony Robbins. Um, and I started my own practice called Outshining Ed, where I coach women to find freedom from their eating disorders. And I've been doing that for about four years now. And I finally feel I haven't by any means figured it out yet, but I finally feel like I'm in alignment and I'm doing something that I was meant to do. And it feels really good. That is such an incredible story. (laughs) I just admire you for so many reasons, but to the beautiful thing always in the hardships I think that we go through is when we're able to get out on the other side of them and not only just get out of it, but then also turn it around and reach out to so many. And I know because I know you personally, I know how many lives that you've touched um, just by sharing your story. And, and then let alone going, being able to go through and the coaching and all of that. I just think it's so, so I admire you so much for that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I know that is Kristen on? Yes. Kristen, I'm here. do you want to ask Lindsay? I know you had a few questions for her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And when you said, speaking of um, helping people's lives, I mean, it definitely inspires me. I, I have, um, I don't know if you know this, Lindsay, but I've struggled pretty hard with um, body image since very early on. Um, Like as early, I think the earliest memory I have is like in even kindergarten. So which is crazy to me. Um, And I feel like that's more and more common. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that more more common these days that you see? Yeah, Kristen, one in four kids have dieted by age seven, and 80% of girls age 10 have been on diets. Wow. So it's like, sadly, it's really common, but I think um, at elementary school age is when it starts, and the majority of especially girls do have body image challenges. Wow, that is just insane to – I always felt like that was the case, but knowing the actual like numbers is just shocking to hear. Um. So yeah, I guess my biggest thing is, so 
the starting in high school, I just I was one of those that did like the fad diets. Like I for instance, for example, I remember my sophomore year of high school, I only ate what's that cereal? The K cereal. That's all I ate for two special yes. K. I only ate that for breakfast, lunch, and I don't think I ate dinner for two months. <laughs> and I it was just really oh, yeah. odd. Like I always put these like really weird rules on myself. Um like I had to, you know, only eat certain things and it, I just did really weird things throughout and um, starting in high school. And I've gotten to a point where my relationship with food has improved so much, but I still, um, I guess my biggest question for you is like, what's the best practices? Like, I feel like, for instance, I have my workout re- routine down, my, you know, water intake is great, but like, I still don't have the best routines when it comes to healthy relationship with food. So I guess I'm just wondering like what your advice on that is and what you would say to someone like me who's struggled um, for a long time. So. Yeah. Well, first I just appreciate you sharing that because I think too, when we were growing up and especially you, Kristen, um, at the time you did, like, we just didn't talk about that kind of stuff. And I think the benefit of, you know, children growing up today is like there is this open dialogue now and I'm so appreciative for it. So one, I just like appreciate you sharing yeah. that. And um, and yeah, second, I think so many people can relate to like what you just shared, which is having these sorry, that that just beeped, <laughs> um having these intense like these food rules. Yeah. And the problem, the challenge with that is that it consumes your headspace. Mm-hmm. And it prevents you from being present. Like it prevents you from living your life and spending your energy and time on things that like really fill you up inside. Yeah. And so I think like, you know, the best, it's it's a big question and I want to really get into it and like get granular and get more specific around it. But I think the best way to like attack that question is when we give food power, like when we give it moral value, and I think we do that when we classify foods like good food versus bad food. So let me flip the script here and ask y'all a question, but can you relate to like classifying or labeling food where it's like carrots get an A plus, but cookies and cake get an F? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh So when we do that, we give food moral value. And let me explain it a different way. So like take a knife, right? So like if we look at a knife and think of it as like a kitchen utensil to like slice bread, mm-hmm. right? Or like, great, that's that's fine. But that same knife, if we think of it as a weapon to murder someone, sorry to go like really dark, <laughs> right? But if we think of it as a, as a weapon to murder someone, all of a sudden we fear that knife and it has moral value and the knife is bad. Right. And when we fear that knife, all of a sudden that knife has tremendous power, Hmm. right? So similarly with food. So when we, when we fear the food, like let's just take cookies and cake, for example, we're giving that food tremendous power. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And so, yeah, never thought of it that way. Yeah. And so there's like this moral value attached to food. And so when we eat the food that has like an F rating, Mm -hmm. the cake and the cookies, all of a sudden that's where that guilt and that shame comes from. But if food is just food, which it is, if food is just neutral and has no moral value, then all of a sudden we can eat it and we have no thoughts around it and we're truly free to eat it. And by the way, like we can keep a box of cookies in our house and have like 
no fear that we're going to eat the whole thing. We can truly just have one cookie. And since food has no power, we can have one cookie and walk away and not be scared that we're going to eat the whole box of cookies. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Because it's like you always feel like you're doing almost like a cheat meal or like you're doing something not bad, but like you're like, oh, I'm going to eat this whole bag of Swedish fish. Like. Crap. Or even like, oh, I worked out extra hard today, so I earned these extra calories yes. or whatever, right? So weird. Which I'm so glad you said that around like Thanksgiving and holidays in general. I feel like, you know, you go to, you know, a different workout or you just hear in regular like language from friends, it's like, oh, you earn that meal now. Yeah. Right. And like mm-hmm. the, the truth is we don't need permission to eat. We don't need to earn our meals. Yeah. Right? Like we're born with that right. And we would never tell our kids that they have to earn it. Or like, like right. go take a lap before you can eat <laughs> oh breakfast. My gosh, right? Can you imagine? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, totally. And so, but that same, like Kristen, going back to your question around these fad diets, which I think we can all relate to, especially like the diet culture is like a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like I and I, I mean, I have contributed m- like a lot of money to it, right? Especially in those middle school and teenage years, yes. But what happens, again, when we restrict or we we go on these diets and we say no sugar, no sugar, no sugar. It's like I say, um, Megan, whatever you do, don't think about a pink elephant. Don't do it. Don't think about a pink elephant. Just picture one. Right? So this... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So the same thing when we restrict sugar, our bodies like sugar, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that makes sense. And so when we restrict, we go into the scarcity mode and we want it more. And ultimately, whether it's like one day, 30 days, or three years from now, we're going to binge on the sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's so, so crazy how much it. sense that makes. I know. It is so crazy. So do not give food moral value. That is such a powerful thing. It's so funny because it's like, it sounds so, it's like, oh yeah, but I've never heard it actually said in that way. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't either. And I will say like, I can't tell you how many like memories and trips, like vacations that I haven't been able to enjoy fully because I'm so focused on, oh my gosh, if I eat that, I'm going to feel this, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I messed up and I'm not going to enjoy myself. So like my mind has always been so focused on what I'm putting into my body rather than enjoying my, my present time, you know, and it's, it really takes away from my, your life in my opinion. And it's so, yeah, I really appreciate everything you just said. So (laughs) yeah, you nailed it, which is, I think the harder part a lot of times, Kristen is not like the eating it or not eating it. It's the mental exhaustion of thinking about it. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I help coach my clients through is like, how do you make peace with food and your body, by the way? Like we haven't got too much into the body image, but like how do you make peace where it doesn't consume your headspace? Because I like, I don't think we were created to spend time thinking about those things. <laughs> Lindsay, so if you could go back to your, let's say, mid-20 to late 20 self and talk to yourself about what we've been discussing, but in general about body image. Is there maybe like a top two or three things that you would love to be able to go back and tell yourself in regards to this? 
Yeah, gosh, so many things. Because this is right around the time the eating disorder started for me. Um, And I think the big one for me, it is related to the body image, but it's to take off the mask. Like I was so focused on wearing this mask of pretending like things were fine and wearing this mask of strength and toughness and sometimes even happy. Like it was too hard for me um, to be vulnerable. Mm. And so what happened when I wore this mask of strength and toughness, it's like I was ignoring what was going on inside and I felt a bit out of control. And sometimes when you're feeling that way, you need something to control. And for me, that was my body and that was the food. And so Mm. I turned to that and a lot of people do this in the form of addiction, right? And you turn to that and you control that. So for me, it would be like, stop living life for other people and live life for yourself. Whoa, that's big. (laughs) That's so amazing. Yeah, I'm like taking notes. This is awesome. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I think I say things even now that I need to hear. I don't know if y'all do that, but like oh, yeah. even now I say things that I need to remind myself of because even now I can get caught up into people pleasing or doing things because I think I am supposed to do it since I'm a grown up or a mom or I should be doing it. And it's like, wait, I have to constantly check in with myself and say like, am I doing this for others or am I doing this because it like really does benefit me and my family? That's such a good point. Yeah. I feel like almost this podcast in a way is our like accountability Mm -hmm. partner because we get on here and we just start talking about like the comparison stuff and all the different things. And I feel like we end up admitting to ourselves, like, oh, I'm not doing so well yes. in, that, in that moment <laughs> and like fixing it Absolutely. that day, you know? So, yeah, totally with you. Basically, when we brought up this topic, I was, you know, I've, I've been following along with your journey on social media and I just think it's so cool what you're doing. Um, and I've always wanted to know more. So, more than anything, this is just fun to figure out like what it is about body image and eating disorders and just learning more because I've never personally dealt with like a serious eating disorder or really, I don't know, like I haven't struggled with it as much as probably others, but I have, I do care what I look like. And sometimes I'm like, is that bad to like care if I, I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but like, is it bad to like, I almost feel like it's just vain. Like I like to look a certain way or ignorant. Yeah. I don't know the right word, but I guess in your experience, do you think it's like, do you find that it can turn into something negative if you care too much about what you look like? So I think, I think anything in excess can probably be like, can take a turn for the worse. Right. But I think caring about what you look like I think that's a positive, right? So like I always come back to this place and I work from home, right? So like right now I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm sick, keep in mind, but I'm in sweatpants and a t-shirt and I haven't showered today. I'm just keeping it real, right? <laughs> but I, when I have client calls and I work from home, I know that I perform and I'm at my A game when I like take care of myself and I put on clothes that make me feel good and I put on a little lipstick. And like right before we got on this podcast, no joke, I went in front of the mirror and I put on red, I've got bright red lipstick right on, like on right now in sweatpants and a t-shirt because it changes, like it changes the cadence of my voice. It changes my posture a little bit. So I think there's something to like caring about what you look like, but 
caring too much, I think, can be like dangerous, right? So when it starts to invade your headspace, um, again, like going back to this sort of mental illness of, of eating disorders and body image, when yeah. you care too much, then you're constantly body checking when you're um, in a conversation or you're worried about what you look like and you yeah. can't stay present in the conversation. Okay. And that's when it's gone too far. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Um, yes. And do you have any like tools of like when like almost like to check yourself when you're in moments where you're like, okay, I'm definitely caring too much about what I look like in this moment. Do you just kind of like, it's like awareness and then you can get yourself out of it or what do you do? That's, it's such a good question. So I kind of have, and this is, by the way, this is not like professional advice. This is sort of like a personal metric for myself. Yeah. But when I was in the eating disorder days, I would try on like 15 outfits before I would leave the house. Yeah. And every time I would put one on, that little voice, that inner critic, my lesser self, the eating disorder voice would come up and say something negative right? Like, oh, yeah. you look too fat. You look too ugly, right? Like something really harsh. And so now, like again, Thanksgiving, we, we have this fancy meal. We all dress up and go to the Austin Club downtown. And so I'll probably try on like two to three dresses and that's about my max. And if I try on more than that, like I stop myself and I'm like, you know what? One of the first three you tried on, as long as it's comfortable, it'll do. And so for yeah. me, that's sort of my gauge. <laughs> right. Okay. That's good advice. Yeah. Because yeah. I think for the most part, I do okay with it. Like I just want to f- like after having babies, you know, I didn't feel great about my body, but I kind of just gave myself grace for that first year with breastfeeding. And then I really got on like a workout kick and eating healthy and I'm feeling really good. But then I started to ask myself like, is it bad that I care so much? Like, oh, I feel like I'm looking better now. And I'm like, am I like super vain that I care? So this is helpful to just know, like, I don't know when to kind of check myself. So it's not overboard. <laughs> well, and here's the the distinction. And I think Lauren, you were alluding to this with like body image challenges. Um, yeah. So when we find value in our body, we lose. Gotcha. When we find value in our body, we lose. Because, and I learned this, by the way, and this is when everything changed for me in my recovery, but I learned this in um, yoga bhakti philosophy. But our bodies are temporary. It's kind of like uh, like the way that we have cars, right? Like the cars yeah. are literally to transport humans or groceries or whatever. And we don't find value in the car itself. It's sort of a tool to get us from like place to place right? Yeah. It's similar. Like our body is this vehicle for our essence, our soul, our spirit, whatever your beliefs are, Yeah. right? And so the minute you start to find your worth in your body, you're in trouble because our bodies yeah. are going to change, right? Like from the time we are born, our bodies are going to go through puberty. Yeah. And like you said, Megan, like you have a baby. And then after that baby, you're like, holy crap, what do I do with this body? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, like a, it's like a shock. But if you don't have your worth in your body, you'll be okay. Yeah. Right? Oh, and you can so powerful, Lindsay. I love that. Yeah. No, it's so super good. helpful. Yeah. And I think because I think that's so good because I think sometimes I do c- get caught up in it, but more than anything, like kind of like what Lauren was saying when she was getting cut out a little bit is like, this is, you know, you're not honoring your creator. Like 
you know, no matter what your beliefs are, whoever your creator is, you're not honoring your creator by being mean to your body or like judging your body. So that was huge. Thank you. Even like the flip side, like if, I mean, and I'm sure we all know people who have like dedicated their life to working out and have amazing bodies by society's values, right? And I admire those people for their work ethic, but that doesn't make them worthy, right? Like there are tons of assholes that have rock hard bodies, right? So that doesn't make them worthy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's funny. Love it. Um, Kristen, you have a question? Oh yeah, I did have a question. And it's kind of so this might be a silly question. I'm not sure. But um, so, you know, for so long, I had all these rules, right? I had all these things I put on myself um, and it was, you know, really tough. But at a certain age, I think it's when I honestly met my husband. I I don't know. I don't know if it's something switched in my mind where I was just done. I was so over all these limitations and rules I had for myself, especially when it came to food. I kind of did the opposite to where, and I was curious if you've come into this with like clients and stuff where it's like, I almost was like, I'm sick of not being able to eat where I just eat everything. (laughs) And it's like, I'm almost the opposite now, but still not in a healthy sense. Does that make sense? What is the unhealthy sense that you suspect? Well, I so before for a long time it was like I'd only I mean I did crazy stuff. I mean for mm-hmm. months I only ate carrots and that was it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I just did crazy stuff to my body. And then it was like I finally, you know, I met my husband and I just I did a lot of mental work and a lot of, you know, self work as well and I just came to this point where I was like I'm done doing this to myself, you know, and mm-hmm. but I kind of went to the other extreme to where I just ate and almost like rebelling against myself if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just literally was like I'm going to eat whatever I want when I want and but in an it wasn't in a healthy sense either because I was almost binge eating all the time. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, so I and I don't know the full story, but here's what I suspect. And I, it's interesting because I had a similar experience um, when I met my husband too. Just in this sense that I had a really hard time learning to just love myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when I met my husband and in other relationships also, it was like this validation that oh hey somebody loves me. And for yeah. some reason, it was like a light switch, like in permission for me to also love myself. It's like, oh, somebody loves me. I am worthy. I am valuable. And so I suspect that's part of it. But also, and I'm not a diagnostician, like I I don't diagnose people, but it sounds like the carrots and the food rules, like it does sound like there's some sort of disordered eating at play. Um, Mm -hmm. And when that happens and when you're in this restrict mode and starvation mode, your body really does go in panic mode and binging can show up again like five months later, five years later because it's making up for that time. And so that can absolutely happen. And while it feels like binging, it's actually your body saying, hey, we're scared. We need this. And that will like start to peter out. Like that will absolutely start to taper off because it's not going to satiate you in the same way like five years from now. Um, So a big piece of it is one, learning to trust your body. And then the second piece, like a common reason 
people turn to binging, for example, is that there's a deeper need that's not being met. So a lot of times people think like, oh, I'm starving for food or the perfect body, when in reality, we're starving for connection or love or purpose. And so really addressing like what the needs are underneath is also work that can be done. But again, I don't know your specific situation, but just in general, that's been my experience. Um, Well, and like you said, you know, when I was growing up, no one talked about this stuff, you know, and no, you know, it was like very quiet. And it was like you said, like a blue elephant in the room. Like I, I didn't even realize I had an issue actually. I was Mm -hmm. in complete denial. Like to me, you know, only people who were dying had an actual issue. I didn't. So, and the reason I'm talking about it is because I want people who might be going through what I was or doing what I was doing to realize, oh, wait, you know, I'm like her. Maybe I do have an issue because I was a hundred percent believed I had no issues with food or with, you know, anything. So I just think it's important to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, just the awareness in itself is super important. Yeah. And I think there is this shift. I mean, there are so many wonderful shifts happening and I'm so encouraged by it in general, like what's happening for like our world and our society. But there is this glorification of thinness and Mm -hmm. this glorification of like people who can stay on diets and work out. And I think like it's so challenging, especially as a child to grow up in that world. So like, for example, I've got two daughters and a son, but especially with the two daughters, like we don't have healthy foods and unhealthy foods or good foods and bad foods. So the way we talk about foods in our house is we have foods that we eat because it gives our body energy and is important to nourish our bodies. And it's important to also eat foods that like make our soul smile and make us feel happy. And both foods are important. And by the way, like kids notice when you're not eating cake at a birthday party. And kids notice like when you're yeah, eating a salad mm-hmm. and they're eating a burger. And so like yeah. for me, and y'all might have these moments too, but like I'll tell you the big trigger for me when I I know that thinness was valued in our house. And like, again, my parents, I love them. They were so well-meaning, right? And it there's no blame on them. But I remember a distinct moment when we were in line renting a car on vacation. And y'all know like standing in a rental car line is already painful as it is, especially (laughs) like in the 1980s when they didn't have like the things in play as they do now. Yes. But we were in line and there was a, a guy behind the counter who was in a large body. And my, I was with my dad who is a New Yorker and like a very impatient man. Y'all know him. So y'all like, I I love him, but yes, I know, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) And he, you could see that like his anger was starting to rise. Like he was just like almost boiling and we Mm -hmm. finally get called. And I was probably, I was in middle school, probably like 11 or 12 and we get called and I knew my dad would make a comment because that's always what he did, but I wasn't expecting him to make this comment. And he said, maybe if you lost a little weight, you'd move a little faster. Yeah. And I, in that moment, and again, like I don't, you know, you don't know the true impact it has, but the fact that that's never left my mind. And we know now that you like memories that stand out, it's because you connected like a really strong emotion to it. So I got to believe that the reason that memory is so strong in my mind is because I felt like there was this visceral kind of reaction to it. 
Absolutely. Um, oh my gosh, that gives me chills, Lindsay, because I you saying that makes me I can go directly to my memory where I have the same not the same story, obviously, but the same thing. But what is it? A, What's the memory? You want to hear it? I'm wondering if every girl has this. Um, so mine is I don't remember my age, and but my sister was Megan. Obviously, y'all know Megan uh, was standing in the living room, and you know y'all we all go through this. She had a you know she was uh, how do I say this? She was wearing a really tight dress. And I remember a family member, she walked out of the room and one of our family members said, you know, she really shouldn't be wearing that. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want anyone to ever say that about me. Mm -hmm. It just, I did something to me and I'll never forget it. Um, So you telling that literally, it like gave me chills because it reminded, it took me right back to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, do you remember that? What's what's funny is I remember that moment too, but I like weirdly thought of it differently and was like, F you, I'm going to wear whatever I want. Okay. So here's what, <laughs> I love this. Here's what's really interesting. And Kristen, again, like, cause I think you and I are real similar in this, Kristen. So there is a genetic factor at play here for disordered eating. Like they've, they've identified a gene, but like a lot of autoimmune things, like there are genes. And what happens is there's an environmental trigger that sort of uh-huh. turns it on. And that may have been, right, like I kind of feel like the rental car thing was the trigger that turned mine on and my eating disorder didn't come into play till much later. But like for Megan, it never turned it on or off for you, right, Megan? Like I think we've all struggled with body image to some extent, but it never got to like obsessive for you. Yeah. No, luckily for me, it was more like, I don't know, that moment, because it's funny because I do remember it. So maybe it did affect me a little bit, but a part of me was just like, you know what? No, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. It'll be fine. I was yep. like, I'll just stop eating as much candy as I have lately. I did think that, but <laughs> I love that. But I wasn't as like deeply affected, thankfully. But I, know I love that. Actually, told me that before about that story, and I was like, oh, that makes me sad because you've always looked so amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah, yeah there's this weird like this misconception that to love ourselves, like talking about self-love, right? Because everyone feel like there's this kind of like call to like love yourself. And that's not to be confused with loving your body. Because again, like we want to detach from our body because I don't love, I don't know about y'all, but I don't love every roll or mark or stretch mark or the way my stomach domes when I'm holding a plank, like after baby. Yeah. <laughs> like I do not love that, especially because I'm like staring at my tummy when I'm doing plank and I'm just like, man, yeah. why? Why does that happen? Yeah, literally, do that? I do that every time in Pilates. I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> What's that song? Shoot. There it is. Oh, that's it. Oh, yep. But I appreciate what my body can do. And I love what my body can do. And I love myself. Like I love who I am. Not all the time. Like there are moments in parenting and as a wife and like I don't love who I am. But for the most part, I love myself. Um, But we don't have to love our bodies. Like I think there's this misconception around that, that we have to love every part of ourselves and love our thighs and love everything. And it's kind of like I start with self-acceptance. And then move to like appreciating the fact that your body can do Pilates and can do the plank. Yeah, yeah. totally. 
shifting your state of mind. Yeah. Yes. And this whole podcast is really about self-love and like loving yourself a little bit more. So I, I feel like this is just right on in it. I don't know. Yeah. It's and giving really cool yourself grace. Your perspective. You know. Yeah. And two, Lindsay, just so you know, I'm in a place like I'm actually the heaviest I've ever been in my life and I've never felt more self-acceptance from myself. <laughs> like I really do love myself more than I ever have and I feel um, – and I just love that you're in a place where I feel like you're in a similar place as me. So um, that makes me super happy. I love that, Kristen. I just got chills like hearing you <laughs> say that. And I think – if there's one thing I could wish for people hearing this, for Jill and Rick listening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mom and dad. <laughs> but it is that they can come to like accept and love themselves. And Absolutely. regardless of what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, I do want to mention, and I don't know if you would concur with this or not, but um, like many other things, it you know, it's not something that just like went away, I'm cured. I really do yes. feel like I make a daily decision and choice to be better, you know, or mm -hmm. to know more, um, to, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think personal growth, as you said, like it's an ongoing journey. I will say I, I do have the belief because it's true for me. And it's something that I profess like in my work with clients that food freedom really exists and that that is not that is not a lifelong journey where you're constantly kind of battling food and it's getting better and better that there is a real transition between like what we talked about earlier with fearing food and food having the power uh and then transitioning to like really making peace with food and you having the power um i do believe that but i think it is a journey to get there Yes. Okay. So do you think in that sense, this is maybe going off a little bit, but so when it comes to, cause in eating disorder is just like any other addiction. Is that a true statement? Um, or no. In no. So I guess the, the, the quick and simple way to dis differentiate is, mm -hmm. um, there's substance addiction, like alcohol and drugs, and then mm -hmm. process addiction, which is an eating disorder, gambling, sex, shopping. So you're addicted okay. to the process of binging, the process mm -hmm. of restricting. And so you're not addicted to the food. You're not addicted to the sex. You're not addicted to the shopping, which is why you can't just like remove the food. Like you can right. remove the drugs from the equation. Okay. So then that actually makes sense. That kind of clarifies what you, your point before about how it doesn't have to be a lifetime. Right. Thing. Okay. Like recovery in AA, you're sort of like, it's a daily choice where it's like, today I will not drink alcohol. You're exactly right. And I think, yeah, the difference with food is you, you have to learn to make peace with food because yeah. you're And I more meant the daily choice of choosing to love myself and, yes. you know, on a daily basis. Cause you know, some days I'm like, Oh, I feel like crap about myself, you know? And it's yes. like, no, like I'm choosing to, I, I know I've done that in the past, but I'm choosing different today. So. And so I agree. Like I'm where you are right now, Kristen. Like I, but you know what? Like I kind of believe that it exists. Like I think of Lizzo, for example, I think of people <laughs> like, I, I think it exists where people like love the heck out of themselves every damn day when they wake up. I really, I think they may like have low motivation some days, 
But, and I'm not there by any means. Like I don't love myself every single day, but I kind of feel like I want to believe it exists. I'll yeah, say it like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, this is Lauren. And I think, I don't know, our, we were having some audio issues earlier, but I just, I wanted to share. So um, just kind of about tools, like some tactical tools maybe to help us and our listeners you know, choose each day to the, just the self-love piece of it. But, um, when we were young and I think we were in this together, but we were taught, I think it was in fifth grade and we were in this group and we were taught that whenever we, you know, judge ourselves, you know, including our bodies or critique what we look like, or, you know, just that negative self-talk that it literally hurts the feelings of our creator. And, you know, for me that that's Mm -hmm. God, but for, you know, if, even if you don't believe in God, whoever your creator is, whether it's mom and dad or whatever, that it, um, that it literally hurts the creator and criticizes them. And so from a young age, I've always in today being 38, like that has stuck with me. And, to this day, if I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, oh, you know, and I have a quick thought, like, I don't like what I see or whatever, I immediately am able to kind of switch, switch that brain off and say, oh my gosh, like I would never want to hurt the creator who made me, who gave me this breath that I'm breathing today. And it immediately kind of shifts my mindset into, into gratitude for all the things that I do love about myself. And so Um, And I'm so grateful that I was taught that at such a young age and that I believed it (laughs) and I, and I chose to believe it for all these years. Um, But do you have any other kind of like daily tactical tools that might be helpful for us to kind of implement in our daily life? I think, first of all, I missed that class and I wish I would have like, I don't remember learning that, but wait, okay, hold on. Let's just talk about this for a second for you. And, um, It was the Bible study that our group leader's name was Yvonne. I remember Yvonne. That was middle school. I just don't, I don't remember that, but I remember the Bible. Like I remember that. That was so impactful in my life. Yeah, it was from Yvonne. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, I would never want to hurt God's feelings. (laughs) Oh, that's so powerful. And I hadn't heard that before. Like literally this is the first time that I've ever heard that. And so I'm so appreciative that you just said that because that gives me a new tool <laughs> in yeah. my toolbox and for clients, but I love that. Um, and even if yeah. it's mom and dad, it's like, hello, like you think mom and dad, like, no, they think you're perfect and so should you, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. So I'm a big fan of like playing offense rather than defense and like kind of the preventative mindset. And so mm. I'm all about like that exactly what y'all are saying is that gratitude mindset. And so with my clients, instead of trying to stop negative behaviors, I would love like the work that's much more powerful is introducing positive behaviors. Um, That's way more powerful than trying to like undo other things. And so once you introduce new positive rituals and those Mm -hmm. start to stick, there's Mm -hmm. not as much room in your head for the Mm -hmm. things that aren't serving you anymore. So I can tell you things I do with um, my two daughters and things that I do myself, which is a gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. So every morning when I wake up, whether I'm feeling like it or not, I write down 10 things I'm grateful for. Um, 
they're small things. And and by the way, I like it because it's low commitment and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel hard. So like even yeah, on days I'm doable. thick, I can do it. Yeah. And then with my girls, I just make them repeat after me because they're not going to write and they're probably not going to do it on their own. So I'll just say things like, I love myself. I'm brave. I'm kind. Mm-hmm. Things that aren't focused on the body. Because mm-hmm. again, I want to kind of separate the body from them. Like I want them to find their worth and who they are, not what they look like. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's funny. This is kind of a perfect segue into um, closing up this episode, but this has all been such great, great stuff. And I mean, it's been beneficial for us and I, and I hope that somebody out there it's touched as well. But, um, so something that we just, as you know, we're just starting this podcast and we started it with episode two, but we want to implement at the end of each episode, just a challenge for ourselves. And if any listeners want to join in with us, that's amazing. But, um, we thought it might be fun for you to kind of come up with, um, to assign us our challenge for the week. And just to give you an example, last week we just challenged, we started easy. And like you said, just choosing something that's doable, um, but impactful, I think too. And last week we, um, chose one person every day and it could be somebody that we know or a stranger and to give a compliment at least once a day. And we are going to keep each other accountable, Megan, Kristen, and I, and um, also regroup at the end of the week. So uh, Lindsay, if not to put hope, Uh, not to put you on the spot, but I know that you have so many grateful tools, actually just what you just offered, but let's come up with something else. Um, and what's our challenge for the week? Give us our challenge for this. I love that. We would love for you to join us. I love that. Um, so, and I hope the compliments you're giving other people are not on their looks because that's a hard one when it comes down to it to like compliment on something other than appearance. So that's like an additional challenge on top of a challenge. Yeah, that's actually really but, good. Love it. But one challenge I think that's somewhat related to what we talked about today is around body image stuff. And it is around getting rid of clothes that are too small for you. Or that in any way like constrict or too tight or make you feel like insecure when you're wearing them. Um, I know that I can think, and I'm going to do this with you because I encourage my clients to do it, but I need to hold myself accountable. And I can think of a pair of jeans that I have that I wore before my last baby was born. And I'm holding on to them because I keep thinking (laughs) I'm going to fit back into them. And... The oh, truth you so is, just called me out. Yes. Dang it. <laughs> the truth is when you keep things around like that, it serves as a reminder, as a memento that you're not good enough. It's like the jeans are talking like, hey, Lindsay, remember me? You can't fit into me like every time you see them. And so we don't need that in our life, right? Like yeah. we don't need clothes in our life that serve as a reminder. We want things that are comfortable, that make us feel like our best selves to Megan's question, right? Like we want to feel confident in what we put on and feel like we can show up in the best version of ourselves. So any think of an item right now while you're listening to this or while we're talking, think of that item in your closet that you know every time you try it on, that's when you're like, uh, and you give yourself that negative self-talk. Yes. Like, no matter how much fit? the item cost, right? Yes. <laughs> you love it and you wish it would fit because it's awesome. 
I want y'all to get that and go donate it. Oh my gosh, I love it. I have three Such items a good challenge. in my guest bedroom closet right now. Yeah, okay, of I'm course gonna, they're in your guest bedroom. Go, they are. I'm gonna go pull them out, show them to Megan and Kristen, and we they're going in the donation pile, which I also have in another closet. So perfect. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I love well, it. Well, Lindsay, we just thank you so much for taking the time. We know that you're under the weather. The holidays is a crazy time, and we are so, so appreciative, and we have learned so much from you, and we hope that our listeners um, have just taken even just one thing from this. Uh, there's just so much good stuff, and we love you so much, and I, like you said at the beginning of the episode, I literally just feel like we were sitting on mom and dad's couch back in the day. and sipping on our drinks and just having a good time. And I can't wait to see you soon. So yeah, you guys, I'm so so honored. I'm so honored and y'all are so good at this and (laughs) I can't wait to share this with my, my group as well. And I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm excited for y'all. Thanks, Thank you. Lindsay. Yeah, we'll definitely be having you back. Yes. Like, you, you have probably you have too much knowledge to do in one episode. So. I know. <laughs> we'll have to have an episode too, and you'll be a regular guest for yeah, sure. Yeah, we know. <laughs> a sequel. A sequel. All right. Thanks, y'all. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks. Thanks, listeners. Have a great week. Yep. See you next week. Bye. See you next week. Go out there Bye. and love yourself. Okay, guys? Yes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.